Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. It is Tuesday, February 21st. The sun is shining down across central Indiana, and it's time to make some friends. It is six minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. All right, here we go. Let's talk about what they're doing now. Lawmakers working on the budget, and they have proposed upping their pay by $1.5 million. So, as you know, Casey, yeah. I have uh, the good fortune of having little birdies all around the state house. And mm-hmm. before we get into this segment, the lawmakers should know that there are many, many people who work in the Indiana state house who do it because it's a job. They have to feed their families. They have to take care of themselves. But they loathe just about every single thing about you people. And as such, they are always more than happy to give me things that they think we can use on this show to show how self-absorbed, narcissistic, and completely uncaring about anybody but themselves the majority of these lawmakers are. And in this case, this was just conveniently... Buried in the state budget, which if you've ever tried to read or understand a state budget, you need a Ph.D. from Harvard. So the average person not going to be able to do it or understand it. But yesterday, I don't know, later in the evening, I got a little tweet tweet from a birdie. And that birdie said, Rob, you should probably take a look at this. Because Mm. keep in mind, our lawmakers, Casey, have in this budget basically told us uh, kiss our ass on any sort of meaningful help from you on just about anything, certainly property taxes Mm -hmm. front and center. If they are going to do anything at all, which we still have no idea, um, it's very little and it will not by any stretch of the imagination offset the massive increase that you're about to pay for most people because of the terrible uh, system that the Indiana Republicans have set up and, and endorsed. So in the budget for the state of Indiana, which the House budget, so the if you don't know that, budgets start in the House, then they move over to the Senate, they make changes, and then they come together at the end. So in the House budget, at a time in which Indiana Republicans have told you that uh, there is no meaningful resources available to help you with your skyrocketing property taxes, they have proposed increasing legislator Pay, mm-hmm. and that's key, right? Legislator pay by almost one point five million dollars beginning fiscal year 2024 2025 so what that means is the overall pay for the indiana house of representatives at a time where they're telling you there's no resources to help you if you're an elderly person or a middle class person help you stay in your home through no fault of your own they are proposing increasing legislator pay in the house now this is just the house these guys are taking care of themselves right they're telling the senate kiss our backsides but the house going from 8.373 million to 9.871 million so that is literally just short 
of $1.5 million in increases. Now, if we extrapolate that across 100 lawmakers, because mm -hmm. there are 100 representatives, this is not exactly how it would work, but we're trying to simplify a complex thing. That would mean basically $15,000 pay increase per lawmaker. Mm -hmm. These people already, now keep in mind, Casey, they only work three months. Right. Now, next year, they're only going to work two months. Two months. But they only work three months. And they get Fridays off. They don't work on Fridays. House not in session, government not in session on, on the overwhelming majority of Fridays. So they work three months. They don't work on Fridays. Most of these people already make more than $60,000 a year when you couple in their salary, their per diem, and their meals. And that's key because these, these shifty people who make our laws deliberately keep their, air quote, salary low because that's what, the, what they know the average person would research, which is, well, let's look up the salary. Well, they only make, you know, 15, 20,000, whatever. That's not that much money. But then you get meals, mm -hmm. you get per diem. And when you throw all that together, because like, why would uh, Jeff Thompson, let's use Jeff Thompson, for example, he lives in Lisden. That's not that much further of a drive than from Brownsburg, where I come to work every single day. Why would Jeff Thompson possibly need per diem or meal money, Casey. Mm -hmm. He lives in his home. He can eat at his home. It is not like it is some guy coming from Evansville who has a viable excuse. Hey, I got you know I got to live up here. Right. Why would because senators get it too? Why would John Crane, who lives in Avon, need per diem or meal money? So when you couple all of that together, though. These leeches already make $60,000 a year or more, many of them much more than that, but even the low-hanging fruit like a Jim Lucas is $60,000 a year or more, and now in this budget, the average state rep will get a $15,000 pay increase to still only work three months out of the year or next year two months out of the year and not work on Fridays. Are you getting that from your employer? No, I'm just about to write Dear David... <laughs> would like to only work three months Fridays off with $15,000 raise. How do you think that's going to go over with uh, him? Well, because you actually have to earn your living and you can't grift it and steal it from the taxpayers without any recourse. I'm going to guess that's not going to work. Now, if you'd like to see this, because you could say, oh, Rob, he exaggerates things. I have it at Rob M. Kendall. It's mm -hmm. pinned right up there to the top. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go see the proposed increase. And this is what these people do. And this is why I feel the way I feel about these people, because they're sneaky about it. They don't come out and all the things they're talking about they're doing in the budget. Nowhere in there do they say 1.5 million for themselves. I mean, think about if you had to stop the average senior citizen on the street or the average person on a fixed income, many of which overlap as senior citizens on the street, who are facing 300, 500 some cases $700 annual property tax increases. And you had to look them in the eye and go, well, maybe we're gonna help you, maybe not. We don't know how much. We're gonna give ourselves a raise in the meantime. Yeah, we'll let you know in April, but in the meantime, we're making damn sure we get taken care of. Mm -hmm. with $15,000 a year on average, Casey, 1.5 million divided by 100 people. Mm -hmm. And they, these people, the House Republicans, they don't blink twice. They don't feel bad about it. They don't care about you 
at all. You know who these people care about? Themselves and the donors and the lobbyists who make it possible for them to be there to keep sucking your money for personal benefit. Okay, so we've got this giant surplus. We all know we have a property tax issue, apparently a school funding issue, but they need more money. So I wanted to ask you a question about this yes. because at the very bottom, after it lists out all the big budget, mm-hmm. said included in the above appropriations for House and Senate expenses are funds for legislative business per diem allowance, uh-huh. which you mentioned, yep. meals, uh-huh. which you mentioned, mm-hmm. and other usual and customary expenses associated with legislative affairs. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, so that would be like, I would assume, because if you look at, at Robin Kendall on Twitter, you will see there's a budget for legislator pay, there's a budget for the, the overall house operating expenses. That would be probably things like paperclip staples, if they need a computer. Uh, obviously, I, I assume in this as well that the legislative assistants mm-hmm. who absolutely despise many of these people uh, are paid. Uh, I'm sure they're not getting near the increase that the lawmakers uh, are getting. Uh, And so I would guess that operating budget, by the way, for the House is proposed to be in 2024-2025, million. Okay, now you're saying this is going to take place next year. Why does it say that it's effective July 1st of 23? So fiscal years for the state, so most laws start July 1st. So if you ever look at a law in the state of Indiana when it's passed, because they'll pass it in April. Mm-hmm. It will start July 1st. Now, we should point out again, the raise does not take effect, according to this, until the 2024-2025 appropriation year. Doesn't matter. It's wholly ridiculous that a person who works three months out of the year or two months out of the year and gets their Fridays off is going to make $75,000 a year. Uh, clearly, these people don't read most of what they vote on. Clearly, they have no idea what they're doing most of the time. Can you imagine, Casey, trying to get a job <laughs> that, that where you work three months and you don't work Fridays? I mean, of course, or Saturdays or Sundays. Right. Sounds so, like a good deal for them. Four days a week, mm-hmm. three months out of the year, right. $75,000 a year. Yeah. And I guarantee you, Jim Lucas and Jake Teshka Tesla or whatever his name is, and all these people are, are going to line right up and they're going to vote to do this and you're not going to hear boo at any of these people about lining their own pockets at your expense. Okay, so you mentioned that this is for the House and then it goes to the Senate. Does that mean the Senate side could add more? Oh, sure. They could give themselves a raise as well? sure. So we're not done yet. Oh, no, Casey. And again, keep in mind, in, in the budget, there's 500 million with an M, 500 million dollars, a half a billion dollars to give the governor the ability to strong arm farmers mm-hmm. into selling their land like uh, they did in, in Boone in County. Boone County. Mm-hmm. There's multi-billion dollar increase for public education, but at the same time, they're telling you we've got to do multi-billion dollar increase for vouchers because the public education system that we fund to record levels every budget is so crappy that you don't want to send your kid there. But the one thing they could do to actually help you which is to take care of the terrible property tax system and the terrible skyrocketing property taxes and assessments based on the system that they've created. Well, we'll get back to you in April on that one. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, if you would like to read about the $1.5 million raise that the House is giving themselves, just head over to Twitter. And like you mentioned, it's at Rob M. Kendall. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. I'm not content. 
821, it is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And let's take a look at who and what is trending this hour. Okay, so this was recorded in December of 2021. Mm. However, it is trending this morning. Oh. And I know that you're a big fan, Rob. So I thought, yep, we've, we've got to do this. Oh, great. Here's Ben Stein, and he is explaining how to ruin the greatest country in the world. After World War II, the United States of America was by far the most powerful, richest country in the world. We had everything going for us. We had more money than any other country. We were more productive than any other country. We had a more powerful armed force than any other country. And we were just seemingly never going to stop. What stopped us? What slowed us down? Telling people, you don't have to work. You don't have to study, you don't have to pay attention, you don't have to respect your elders, you don't have to respect your juniors. We just let this country fall apart. We just took it and we let it fall apart. We took all the people who wanted to hate America. We said, go ahead and hate. We're not going to prosecute you if you commit crimes. We're not going to make you do schoolwork. And so little by little and then faster and faster, we started to fall apart. This has got to stop. This country is the best thing that has ever happened to the human race. We can't let it go. We cannot let it go in order to please people who hate America. There is a large network of people out there who hate America. Let's not give in to them. Let's insist that people work, study, follow the law, and let's not have the criminal get out of jail before the victim gets out of the hospital. Let's pay attention to what is right and do it. Hashtag Save America. Uh, Yes, I am very fond of Ben Stein. I spent, uh, I get what would that be, probably a year and a half doing the World According to Ben Stein podcast, sometimes multiple times a week. I just, quite frankly, because it's on the West Coast, it was like it wasn't starting till 10, and then mm-hmm. we'd get o- over at like 11.15, and that was just, just too much for my aging bones on a regular basis. But I, I learned a great deal from Ben. He's a phenomenal American. He's one of the... He, ben Stein is one of the most interesting... We used to call him on the show the the, the genius gump, mm-hmm. right? Like Ben Stein's life, if you were to take people, the most interesting Americans who ever lived, Ben Stein would probably be on that Mount Rushmore in terms of all the people he has had contact with. I mean, everybody from Reagan to Elvis to Nixon. I mean, it's just, it's it's Seinfeld. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just an incredible American and an incredible life, and he's a great guy. I thought it was really interesting that something he recorded two years ago is now trending again this morning. Also trending is McDonald's on Fat Tuesday. They're launching a chicken-free McNugget. It's made with the Beyond Meat plant-based McNugget. And finally trending, oh, and this is me being jealous, a woman from Mason, Indiana, put a $4 bet down in the slot machine at the Four Winds Casino in northern Indiana Mm -hmm. and ended up winning $109,000. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Turn your money around. $4, (laughs) $109,000. Okay. Sign me up. What's the most you've ever wanted a slot machine? You strike me as someone who's not been afraid to pull the lever more than once in your life. $1,200. 
like a sitting? Is that like a dollar or is that a penny slot? It well, it was a penny slot machine, but I, I probably did max bet. It was probably about a three dollar bet. And it paid twelve hundred. Yeah. Did you pack it up and go, or did you keep rolling? No, I I, I cashed out. Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they at, at that point after six hundred, they have to come over and get paperwork and have you write your oh. name down because you got to pay taxes on that. Oh, that's the deal. If you make more than six hundred, yeah. you got to pay tax. You got to yeah. you got to sign something saying I'm yeah Casey Daniels and I live such and such. Yeah, but. When you win that sort of money, like yeah. one hundred and nine thousand sure. dollars, that's okay. Yeah, you come take my name. Because I mean, after applicable taxes, mm-hmm. let's say they it was in in Indiana, mm-hmm. is that right? So they're probably taking thirty eight five to thirty eight percent total all in. So she still probably made well over sixty grand, right, on a four dollar bet. Yeah, that's not a bad return. I mean, it's not state lawmaker pay, <laughs> right? With the raises. But, right. uh, you know, I mean, it's it's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad for an afternoon at the casino. It's not bad. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Amen. Amen. It's time to go to church. Take me to church. Here to preach to the choir from the bully pulpit, Pastor Micah Beckwith. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. Let's go to the drivepeople.com hotline. Joined by our good friend, the conservative voice of the state of Indiana, Pastor Micah Beckwith. All right, Beckwith, your uh, Republican friends in the House, they want to give themselves a big old fat raise. $1.5 million in new spending to go into their pockets. Defend your friends. Uh, well, listen, I'm... <laughs> First of all, I'm not defending. I'm not defending this. I'm going to keep this one in your in your neck of the woods here. I'm going to say I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they're doing this. And this is bad optics. They should know that right now, especially when they have property taxes that they haven't dealt with yet. Like fix the property taxes first, for crying out loud, if you're thinking about giving yourselves a raise. But this is just it's, I, this is one of those things where I go to leadership. I'm saying, what are you guys thinking? Like, why, 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 why do we have to have these conversations over and over and over again with you guys? But to your point, it gives you uh, and I tell I tell my, you know, legislative uh, friends down there at uh, uh, on Washington Street. I say, listen, they, they don't like you, Rob. Right. But I say, listen, he's got points. He's I got, got points. points. And, and, this, and this is one of those points. Those are one. These are one of those moments where. You're right, and I don't know what they're thinking. So I can't defend this. I wouldn't defend this, and they should not be giving themselves raises, especially when average Hoosiers are just trying to get by. Inflation's killing Americans. Property taxes are through the roof in, in Indiana. Oh, my gosh. Fix these problems, guys, before you start even entertaining the thought of giving yourself a raise. Yeah, because they're already making like sixty grand a piece. Some are making a little more. They don't have to work Fridays. They only work three months, and then the next year they only work two months. I mean, they're already very greedy people as it is, and now they want to give themselves basically $15,000 more a piece. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, well, I mean, it makes sense if you're, you know, greedy. But yes. <laughs> it doesn't make it doesn't make sense if you're it, just an average Hoosier saying, "What the heck are you guys doing?" Like, and and I I know the arguments on their side. It's like, well, like if if you can't pay people well enough to do the job, then only the rich elitists will be able to afford to do the job. And and I I, I reject that. I don't think that's true. I think there are people who want to sacrifice for their nation, good people, God, family, uh, country type people, and. And uh, and and they're 
they would do the job regardless. I, I would pay to do the job if I had to. I, I don't. I don't think anyone going down there should ever be entertaining. Like, oh, how much more money could I get in this position? That's not what. It's, that's not what you're there for. You're there to serve the people. You are a servant to the people. You don't ask how much money am I going to get. Okay, so we've got this giant surplus, the property tax issue, apparently a school funding issue. They want to give themselves a raise. When would that kick in? Well, I, I would assume it would probably kick in next legislative uh, season. So ne- the budget would go into effect here in yeah, 2024. Yeah, 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 it was 2024, 2025 is when their, yeah. uh, their little uh, gift to the honorarium would take place. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, so it would be, it'd be next year. But, but still, I mean, to that point, you have uh, Governor Holcomb calling for, what is it, a 5% increase to, uh, to edu- the education budget? I mean, we already spend 63% of our entire state budget is going to education. I asked my, my friends in education, I said, how much more is enough? Like, do you want 70%? You want 80%? You want 100% of our entire state budget all in education? How about we fix the problems in education before we just start throwing money at the wall and seeing what sticks? Uh, Micah Beckwith with us. Speaking of education, there were a whole bunch of lunatics down at the state house yesterday. They were very upset over the idea that you might not be able to talk about sex to a kid in kindergarten through uh, third grade. They're, these are some sick people, Micah. They, they really are. I mean, I, I actually preached about this on, on Sunday. The, we, we don't battle against flesh and blood is what scripture tells us we battle against principalities darkness the rulers of of the dark realms the the devil and his minions essentially is who we're battling against but the devil and his minions they speak through people and they will use people to communicate their messages and yesterday down at the state house the people that were down there chanting that they want to keep the ability for people to talk about sex with kindergartners through third graders is absolutely demonic there is no ifs ands or buts about it it is wrong we should not engage in, in in any even just entertaining the thought that it's okay for a government employee who is an adult to talk to a kindergartner about gender fluidity and sex and all kinds of sexuality that exists in the world. It, it's just demonic. Why would you want to do that? And I mean, it is a it is a very sick and evil thing to say. I want to talk about sex with a seven year old. It, again, it is evil. I think that's that's the that's the crux of it. And and these and, and these people are such, they're such liars too. I mean, like they'll they'll go down and they'll say this is a don't say gay bill. You're going to you're trying to erase people. You're trying to erase kids. You know what kindergartner is even having these conversations naturally unless they're being prompted by mm-hmm. an adult who has a warped mind, right? Like that. I have a kindergartner right now. He doesn't even begin to go down this path ever. He would never go down this path unless there's an adult, an adult in his life who would encourage him to go down this warped path. And that's what this bill does. It says, listen, you're an adult. You shouldn't be having these conversations with a child that is not your child. Right? And by the way, you're a government employee. You should not be having these conversations with a child. I'm a pastor. If, my, if I found out that my youth pastors were having these types of conversations with kindergartners, first, second, and third graders, I'd fire them. I'd fire them on the spot. It's not their place to have conversations with, with children who aren't their children about these sensitive topics. Micah, you mentioned that you have a kindergartner yourself, and I would just like to review. It's been a few years since my daughter was in kindergarten. What, what are they actually working on in school? I mean, it's like learning your ABC learning how to read, correct? 
That's right. Now, my son goes to a, a great school in Carmel. It's called Coram Deo. It's a classical uh, Christian school. They, they have, it's a Latin-based school. He's actually, even today, they do, um, they do uh, 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 recitations. They, they have to get up in front of the class and recite uh, a long kind of uh, basically a, a manuscript that they've written out about a certain topic. So today he's getting up talking about why Peyton Manning is his hero. So, but they're learning to read. They're learning <laughs> to write. I, I thought he was going to say uh, that Rob Kendall. Well, I, I know. thought he was going to go down. I mean, but it's very disappointing. You know, he, he, yeah, right. <laughs> so, so that, but that's what they're doing. They're learning to read and write and to to interact with their class. I mean, that's that's the basics of kindergarten right there. Okay, Beckwith. Before we let you go, Casey and I were uh, pondering this yesterday, and I'm sure we'll be called horrific, awful people because we question what Republicans are doing at the state house. Um, so help us square this. So the new budget has like a gajillion more dollars for vouchers Mm -hmm. because the public education system is failing, yet the budget also has like a gajillion more dollars for public education. So on one hand, you tell us you must have more opportunity than ever to get your kid out of the public school, and yet at the same time, we're saying we must give more money than ever to the public school who is failing. What you these you know these people they don't return my phone calls they like you uh, explain help decipher well <laughs> I just think they're trying to please everybody which we know you guys know you're good leaders that's that's terrible leadership right that that is awful leadership when you try to please everybody you end up pleasing nobody and so what they're doing on one hand they're trying to go to the the parents who are upset with the CRT and the indoctrination and the sexual grooming that's going on in the schools and they're saying well we'll give you some more money to to get out of the schools but then they'll, they'll go to the they'll listen to the angry teachers wearing red down at the state house yeah angry red shirted <laughs> teachers reference <laughs> bingo uh, there we go i i think i've been listening to the show too much uh the uh, but but then they'll, they'll listen to them and then they'll say well we'll give you guys more money too and and again, money is not the solution to the problems on either side. I, that's what I tell people. Like, stop looking to the government to solve your freaking problems. Like, th- it's not the government's job to do that. The government only makes problems worse. The, the, Ronald Reagan said it best when he said the nine most terrifying words in the English dictionary are, I'm with the government and I'm here to help. And so it's that we have got to stop throwing money at the problems. This is only going to make the problem worse in Indiana if our lawmakers just keep spending trying to fix the problem. Fix problems. You can do it without spending. And then we can look at efficiently and effectively uh, spending money after the problems have been fixed. Okay, before I let you go, you were telling me about some event you're doing. They got rid of John Crane, which is excellent, and replaced him with you. So that will be a huge upgrade. Whatever this is, tell. Listen, John did an awesome job. John Crane was he's a state senator. He ran the Hoosier Leadership Series for seven years. It's under the Indiana Family Institute umbrella. I, I think John just he set me up really well. Wait, 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 and then and I'll, and I'll let you plug whatever you want to plug. But what was when you, so Crane was in charge of leadership? Is that where he taught you how to sit in the back and do nothing out of fear of offending leadership that controls whether you stay in office or not? Is that is that was that? Listen, listen, we I don't know if we have time to get into this. I, I got I to plug the Hoosier. <laughs> no, go ahead. It's fine. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm no, sorry. No. So, so the Hoosier Leadership Series has been around for uh, 18 years. It was started. Uh, uh, under the Indiana Family Institute umbrella, and it still is there, uh, but I'm the director of that. We take about 40, uh, roughly 40 people a, a year. We have uh, from April to October, and every we meet once a month, and we basically teach conservative 
constitutionally based uh, individuals on how to be effective in government. We introduce you to a lot of leaders in government, a lot of leaders in industry. Great, there's great connections that happen. So if you'd like to sign up for it, just go to HoosierFamily.org, click on the initiatives button, and then you'll see the Hoosier Leadership Series there, and you can just click on that. And so and then we'd love to have you. you're telling me that if I get selected for this, then I would get to meet with a lot of government officials, and they'd have to meet with me. That's what I'm hearing. Well, listen, there is a vetting process on who we let into the class. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Please meet but, our hey, best I- student, Rob Kendall. Hello, Governor. <laughs> <laughs> Rob asks all the good questions. You know, we would. This could be a reality TV show, maybe if we uh, go down this path. That, that's actually we might be onto something there. So. Well, I think that's wonderful. You're doing that again. What is the website if people would like to sign up with that and hang out with you? Yeah, it's a uh, HoosierFamily.org, and click on the initiatives button, and you'll see Hoosier Leadership Series there. And then you can uh, check it out and apply, and we'd love to have you. All right, Pastor Micah Beckwith. Thank you as always, my friend. Hey, thanks, guys. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. It is 948. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And Kevin, with the quote so far of the day, hear my wisdom. <laughs> okay. And, and Casey, speaking of not having any wisdom, yeah. uh, Biden. Yeah. Yes. Yesterday, you may remember he went to Ukraine. He did. He unveiled more U.S. assistance to Ukraine alongside President Zelensky. And it was his first trip there since Putin invaded the country almost a year ago. So if Biden is smart, he went there to tell little brother to negotiate for peace. Biden can publicly announce that we're going to stick with Ukraine as long as it takes. But Biden also has to win an election. I mean, he keeps telling us he's going to run again. And he knows there is fatigue about Ukraine here in the United States. Well, at least somebody should be telling him there is. I'm not sure if he knows anything. But I don't I don't think it matters anymore. I think the election last election cycle proved when you saw somebody like, hi, good night, everybody win easily. That our country so polarized now that the jo- it used to be the job performance mattered, right? Like, remember when Bill Clinton got reelected and people were like, yeah, he's a really shifty guy and he's probably through Whitewater and all these other things. There's probably a whole bunch of stuff about this dude that isn't on the up and up. But hey, he really triangulated after the midterms and the economy's starting to go pretty good. And, you know, eh, oh, the job performance is okay. We're not going to risk going with the Republicans. The job performance used to matter. It's like Reagan. It's morning again in America. Reagan's done a great job. Mm-hmm. We're going to reelect Reagan. Now the job performance, we're so polarized, I don't even think it matters anymore. It's all about the letter. Absolutely. And yeah. so I think Biden does these things almost with relative immunity to rejection because no matter what he does, people will shape shift themselves into the box necessary to support. Think, okay, Casey, if you could go back in a time machine, let's say time machine. 2006. Okay. And you could tell the base of the Democrat Party that they would be all in to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars of an unwinnable war in a foreign land on a country that has not done anything to provoke or attack us. What do you think the response from those people would be? Uh, do you think it would be people putting flags on their social media account profile pictures? Right. No. 
No, of course not. No. It, and, and, and then, you know, the Republicans who couldn't get enough war mm-hmm. in the mid-2000s, give me more, give me more, I want the war. That should have been the slogan of the party in the mid-2000s. Now they're totally out. Maybe it's because they're disappointed we're not sending other people's kids to die in this war. Maybe that's what they're really cheerleading for. But the point is, it's like the scare, uh, the, uh, it's the scarecrow. Remember, if I only had a brain when he's pointing mm-hmm. both ways, mm-hmm. that's what these people are. The, the, they just shape shift into whatever box, Democrats, Republicans, they both do it. Anyway, Biden was in Ukraine. Here's what he had to say. I have really no idea exactly what this is. This is one of these things where you're going to have to help. Go. We build a coalition of nations from the Atlantic to the Pacific, NATO to the in the Atlantic, Japan and the Pacific. I mean, across the across the world. Yeah, he's building a coalition from the. Can we just, Kev? Can we just play like the first? Well, let's just play it all again. But I want people to pay attention to the first part of that. We build a coalition of nations from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Now, Casey, right. geography test. Uh-huh. What is in between the Atlantic and the Pacific? North America. Yeah. So that would be a coalition of nations. So we're given uh, Canada, Mexico, USA. That's a coalition of nations now. Yeah, huh? right. uh, Kev, go ahead. We build a coalition of nations from the Atlantic to the Pacific. <laughs> NATO. Uh, NATO. To the in the Atlantic, the Japan, and the Pacific. I mean, across the across the world. You know the thing. You know the place. Okay, so um, the Biden administration has spent an estimated 113 billion on military and civilian aid to Ukraine since the war began. He announced an additional 500 million worth of military equipment is going to be headed to Ukraine. It includes howitzers, anti-tank missiles, air surveillance radars, other aid. Just keeps on going. Yeah, it's it's never ending, and he's made that very clear. It is. It It just keeps on going, and a year later, the worldwide economy still feeling the effects. Now, Ron DeSantis was in New York. He's Mm -hmm. kicked off a big tour where he's going to beleaguered large cities and talking about how their woke ideology has made them less safe. And he got asked about uh, Biden's trip to the Ukraine, and thankfully, someone around here is talking sense. Uh, and then I'm also reminded that I don't think any of this would have happened, but for the weakness that the president showed during his first year in office, culminating, of course, in the disastrous withdrawal in Afghanistan. So I think while he's over there, I think I and many Americans are thinking to ourselves, okay, he's very concerned about those borders halfway around the world. He's not done anything to secure our own border here at home. We've had millions and millions of people pour in, tens of thousands of Americans dead because of fentanyl. And then, of course, we just suffered a national humiliation of having China fly a spy balloon clear across the continental United States. So we have a lot of problems accumulating here in our own country that that he is neglecting. I've seen a lot of people take the Ukrainian flag and put it over the state of Ohio, (laughs) saying, well, if we just act like we're part of Ukraine, maybe we'll get help from the government. So Ron DeSantis uh, went on to criticize and said that it's an open-ended blank check. And he questioned whether the U.S. should be engaged in the conflict at all. So these are big words from Ron DeSantis, right? He's coming out. To me, this signals that he is inching closer and closer to announcing a bid for the president. There's a famous line in the office where there's it's I think the title of the episode is Conflict Resolution. Mm-hmm. And he asked people, 
there's a scene where he asks people, do you want your life to be better, worse, or stay exactly the same? Mm -hmm. And that's how people used to vote. Like if people wanted to get their lives to get better and they believe somebody else can make their life better, they, they would make vote for change. that. But I'm not sure that as simple as that is and the way it kind of should be, I'm not sure people do that anymore. You're listening to Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good morning.